You're listening to the Screening in Kingston podcast. For more on Screening in Kingston, more episodes, info about our movie clubs, and a lot more fun movie content, visit screeningandkingston.com. I sat through three and a half hours so I can review Killers of the Flower Moon. Did you need an intermission? Uh, I We didn't get one, but it would have been appreciated. <laughs> you could have used one. You didn't get one, but you could have used it. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't really understand fully what the issue is about having intermissions versus not. Like, I... If your movie's good enough, it should be able to withstand, you know, pausing or waiting for a second for a bathroom break. Well, here's the thing, Mike. As long as you're not interrupting mid-scene, there's, like, logical breaks between scenes anyways. That's, like, what editing's for. Mm -hmm. So they could have found, like, a nice sweet spot. And it's not like it's an action thriller where, like, the action is nonstop. It's my understanding it's, like... Kind of slow. Well, you'll get it. You'll get yeah. into it. But like, yeah, I don't... it's definitely it's definitely not action packed. Like there's moments of of action, as you would call it. But yes, it's more it's more of a slow a crawl. You could have yes. taken a break. You could have saying. also told this story. <laughs> you could have also told this story in like two hours. You know, yeah, that's my biggest gripe about anything over an hour and a <laughs> half. You know, well. <laughs> Well, and I mean, like, I'm fine with longer movies, and I don't, I don't mind it, especially if the movie's captivating. And like, I will say, the story is interesting, and there's lots of positive things to say about it. But my one negative is honestly, I just don't think it needed to be this long, and I really think it does a disservice to have it be this long, personally. But and then go out of your way and say no intermissions. For, yes. for, our, for our fans who missed last week, we did a we talked fairly long about how Martin Scorsese is going against movie theaters that are trying to add intermissions during the screenings of Killer of the Flower Moon, and um, yeah, it sounds like what like why like I still don't understand why he's so mad. <laughs> yeah, like having watched it. I guess it's somewhat of an immersive story. But again, they did that thing that I don't like where they kind of do a framing device for the movie. So at the beginning of the movie, there's there's a little bit of a framing device, kind of like old old style cue card type things. Not right, actual like cue cards, but you know, like, you hear the piano. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you hear the piano and like here's like kind of how we're gonna introduce the story. Yes, like just slides. And then, you know, they kind of at the end. It, it ends very much, oh, we're in this like little theater and we're, we're hearing this story as you would have in the 1940s or what have you. And I just felt like that as a framing device was so unnecessary. Like the movie was a newsreel. Yeah, like I, I didn't need that. Like there's there's at least 10 minutes that you could cut out. And I just felt like, well, I don't like I get it. I get it. He, Martin Scorsese 
considers himself an artist and is an artist. It's a piece of art. He cares about his craft. He wants to do the best thing he can for it. I understand that. I get where that's coming from. There's just a lot of things in this movie that I felt were sort of like insisting upon itself. That's a little bit like, okay, I get it. Like, I get it. what you're doing. I can see it. Um, and I felt, yeah, I felt that had to do with the disservice of it being too long. You could tell this exact same story with as much grace and care. Um, and clearly he does care. And clearly it mattered to him to tell the story properly in the right way. You could have still done that within two hours. And I, I think, I think to me, it's the mark of a, of a genius to tell stories in clear, concise, short ways, which is why you can say what you want about him, but no one still can come close to Steven Spielberg. He knows how to tell a story with visuals and with small subtleties and concisely and clearly and make you feel stuff while you're going through this movie. I felt surprisingly little Taylor out of this movie when I think I'm supposed to feel a lot more. Is, are we jumping right into your review? Because I've got I don't some know. questions. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> let's let's say yes. I don't know. I, I guess I, I guess I really want to talk about it. Yeah, um, like what? And I have cheese, no precursor. Yeah, sure. Yeah. Ask your questions. We have no ramble preamble. So no. I don't know a ton about this movie, other than that it was getting a lot of hype, um, and uh, it it's like it's it involves perhaps indigenous issues through but like the story is still being told through a white men's lens which like who in the year of our lord of 2023 a little bold <laughs> well actually actually, that, actually is it not no go ahead so it is it is told through the lens okay so this is where i have this is where i have to say light spoilers I am not giving away in this review anything you don't learn within the first five minutes of this movie. Right. But it is a spoiler for anyone who's only watched the trailers, obviously, if you haven't seen the movie, and for you, Taylor, not knowing anything. What I'm about to say well, is Well, there's murders. There's murders happening on a reservation. Yes. Correct? So that is that is true. It's a, it's a primarily indigenous community in a particular area that have like a mix of there's white people living there as well. And, and it's kind of living in unison and it is about a, a one particular family um, that they focus on and the murders of, of indigenous members of that family. Now, Got it. yes, yes. It's told through the eyes of, of the white man, as you just said, <laughs> but they're the murderers. And the movie is a hundred percent, like there's no mystery. They're the bad guys. We know from the beginning who's doing it and why. Right from the beginning. This movie isn't about solving the mystery. It's about when will one, when will it be uncovered? Because this really this really focuses on the relationship between Molly, who's who she's indigenous, she's part of our, this particular family. She's marrying and getting married to Leonardo DiCaprio. So we spend time with Leonardo DiCaprio and and Molly. I don't even remember Leonardo DiCaprio's character's name, 
I don't think it matters. Apparently he's horrible. That was the other thing I wanted to ask. I saw him. Well, he plays a dumb, dumb. He plays a dumb, (laughs) dumb idiot. (laughs) People are like, how are we supposed to? It was like the headline was like, is he supposed to be an like a moronic hillbilly? He's so stupid. (laughs) No, Taylor. No, he's not a sociopath. He's a moron. He's so dumb in this movie. Some of the things he says and some things that he's so easy to manipulate. He's so stupid. Uh, it's almost laughable, and I'm—I mean, I have to—I have to disagree with people who are saying like his performance isn't good. He plays it really well; like he plays a stupid idiot really, really well. And I hate to jump ahead, but in the in the same vein as I didn't realize people are saying his isn't a good performance because the headlines I'm seeing are Brendan Fraser's performance is being. Yeah, is being lamp or is, is people are yeah. saying it's bad, but again, he's playing like, from my understanding, like an over the top southern yeah. lawyer. Yeah, I mean, I, I'll say right off the bat, um, I'm I've, I made sure this time I've pulled up the cast list here. I want to make sure I get everyone's names here. So Lily Gladstone, who plays Molly, who's really making like she she's the heart and soul of the movie. People, like there's, people are already saying she's, it's Oscar worthy. Oh, what like give it to her right now. Like she's, she, she has the most to do. She has the widest range of things to have happen to her. Is like she the, the things... real main character? Yeah. Yeah. Like she, frankly, yes. I mean, Leonardo DiCaprio, you're right. It focuses on Leonardo DiCaprio and his relationship to Robert De Niro and him marrying Molly. So his, his character's name is Ernest. Um, and he, he's the, I think he's the nephew of Leonardo DiCaprio. Like his parents are gone. Uh, no, of, of uh, Robert De Niro. Sorry, Robert De Niro. Yes, yes. Sorry, Leonardo DiCaprio is in the Ernest. trailer. Robert De Niro is his is his uncle. He, Leonardo DiCaprio arrives from some sort of war or something that he was in. He arrives. Um, he's looking for work. He gets work with his uncle. He meets Molly and ends up marrying her in getting into this family. And then stuff happens. The the murders sort of begin. And the story kind of takes off from there. And yes, the movie is very much about these different murders happening, like her sister, other members of her family, like cousins and stuff. Like she has a relatively big family, and it's sort of about the money that this family has. They, they are, have oil, right? They have oil. Yeah, they 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 are part of a particular family that discovered oil, and it's all about like these. What honestly, it's all about these white guys marrying into the family to try to get control of this oil, right? And again, I'm not spoiling anything you don't learn immediately from the beginning of this movie. There's no mystery who's committing the murders. It's your you as an audience are sort of ahead of it. You know what's going on, and it's about whether or not you know, when she's going to figure it out and what when will how there be far justice? are they going to go. Yes, and the movie to me moves along fine. As I said, it's a very interesting story. So I don't mean to be overly negative. It's a very interesting story. It moves along at such a snail's pace up until the what is basically the FBI arrives. So it's the early days of the FBI. So they, they just have formed. So this is the 1920s. 1920s. And Jesse Plemons, who we've talked about on the show uh, multiple times, good character actor. Ooh, he he's plays... kind of being typecasted, though. Yeah, he's getting the same roles. Don't you feel? But a little bit. And, he, and again, he, he plays... More or less the same character, but he's a former Texas Ranger who is now part of the FBI. And he, when he finally shows up, it's like forever, forever, these murders happen. And of course, nobody cares. Nothing is done about it. And finally, there comes a breaking point where 
Molly. She goes to Washington to speak to the current president of the United States to beg for help. And you think nothing's going to happen. And then suddenly the FBI shows up. So to me, the movie takes off at that point where they come in and um, Taylor, it's so it's almost laughable. Immediately he walks in and is like, these, all these people are guilty. Like he just knows <laughs> he's near, he's just like the audience. He comes with like everything. White dudes marrying into yeah, this family yeah, randomly. Yeah, you can see it on his face as he's like learning about the family and who married him and when and when the murder's happening. He's like, uh, okay. Like he yeah, immediately gets it. Like he immediately <laughs> is like, okay, we're gonna separate you know these people from these people. We're gonna protect these people. We're gonna take these people. We're gonna put everyone in jail and then we're gonna sort it out. Like he just immediately walks in is like every everyone looks so sketchy and it's almost laughable but again i think as your audience you're like well yeah it's so obvious what's going on because we're, we're ahead of the game and that's the thing that i think the movie does do well is it tells a really interesting story yes from the perspective of these killers these murderers but in a way that i thought worked to deliver that extra sympathy towards this family. Like you really feel for Molly. She starts to have kids. You see the struggles and life she goes through. You see the hardships that she has. Also, she married this idiot. She married an absolute idiot. Like just <laughs> like so, like dumb as a stump. You know that <laughs> phrase? Yeah. yeah, dumb as a stump. He's just so easily manipulative. He has no idea what's going on. And that's the thing I think if they were trying to make it like, okay, is he a sociopath or is he dumb? They didn't do a good job because he's dumb. Like, it's just, it's so apparent that he has no idea what's going on um, and has been kind of sucked into it. So I think, again, I think the movie was just trying to tell a story the, the with the most, like, I don't know, best way to do it or the most like we're going to we're going to take this really seriously. We're going to make sure that this is handled with the most amount of respect. So we're going to tell it long. We're going to give lots of moments like there was a moment for every character. There was great introduction into this family and kind of what, you know, where they came from and what their struggles were. You do get a sense of this time, kind of what's going on and how everyone is living. I just think the movie was so long that I, as an audience member, I'm sort of like, okay, like get to it. Like I know, like I see what's happening. I see this thing happening. There's not really too many shocking moments. Like there's one or two moments of violence and there's one or two things that happen where they show the deaths of the murders, what happens. That's a little quick and a little bit like, oh, okay, there you go. Like something's happened, but it's just not... I just, I just feel like you're doing the story a disservice by not telling it in a more concise way. And I think that's the mark of, of a, a true artist. G give some restrictions. Don't just let someone do whatever. Okay, it's Martin Scorsese to tell your, your three hour and a half long movie. Why not push back and say, tell it in two hours? And then if it's 2.15 or it's two whatever, whatever like make it work. That, my... To me, that's what innovation is. This is how I feel every time we talk about movies that are over. I know I say an hour and a half. I kind of say that tongue in cheek. I, I can sit through a two hour movie fine. But I'm totally with you, Mike. There is a time and a place for a three hour, I would say even a four hour movie. If Napoleon is four hours and good, 
who can't, that's fine. You know what I mean? It's a, it's a historical epic, right? Um, we'll see if it's actually good. Right. But, um, yeah, if you're just doing three and a half hours for the sake of this might've even, I think we started talking about this maybe like two years ago when all of a sudden movies became so bloated. And (laughs) this is when I was like, why are the studios not saying no to these filmmakers? Well, that used to be, there used to be executives being like, you have to make your movie shorter. I mean, it seems it's inconsistent because in some areas they are like what's happening with the MCU right now is the studio for the sake of money is saying, well, the movies have to be two hours because we want more screenings to bring in more cash. And that I think is actually hurting it, like by by not letting them tell the story the way they want to. So I, I get it. It's a fine balance. And I'm on the side of filmmakers. I am. I just also happen to produce theater. And I know if you give a director zero restrictions, it could go off the rails really fast. And I think as a smart studio executive, you have to be there or a producer or the company, like whoever you are, you have to be able to push back. And I think the best movies you get are ones that have some sort of a restriction. I hate to keep going back to Steven Spielberg, but this movie made me think about him a lot. Jaws, the restriction. We can't show the shark as many times as we want. We don't have the technology. The shark broke. Okay, what do we do? Okay, we're going to make it so you can't see it as much. Less is more. We're going to go with that. There you go. Innovation. And suddenly it's a movie that you're never going to forget because it's it's a classic. It's just the reality that modern moviegoers don't have the attention span that they had 20 years ago. Yeah, and I think that's that's the cold hard facts. I think it's probably true. I also don't think, I don't think it matters. I think you could tell a concise stories in two hours. You, again, if it's a really, really good movie, the length won't necessarily matter. Like I'll, true. I'll, true. I'll watch the extended editions of Lord of the Rings anytime. And those are three and a half hours long. Yeah. The And Killers of the Flower Moon is a good movie, but, but like, it's just a good movie that there's not, there's nothing else. It's not groundbreaking. It's not some epic story. It's, a fine story told oh, in an okay, but bit of a long-winded way. The story itself is interesting. I thought the performances were actually relatively good. Robert De Niro is really strong. I've already mentioned Lily Gladstone, who definitely deserves an Oscar. I had no problem with, with Leonardo DiCaprio playing an idiot. Jesse Plemons was very good. He honestly brought some life to the movie that, that it was sort of lacking for a very long time. Um, Anna, that I can't, I don't see her name. Oh, Kara D- Jade Myers, who played Anna, who's Molly's sister. Excellent. Another like wonderful performance. Like there, there's just, there's lots to love about the movie. It's just so hard to sit. Okay. Here. But tell me Let about me Brendan say. Fraser. I'm dying to know. <laughs> okay. Brendan Fraser. So he's not in the movie long. He plays the kind of um, defendant of Robert De Niro and his group in court. And he plays a very pompous, loud, aggressive... Country lawyer. Country lawyer, yes. (laughs) Um, That was my southern draw. (laughs) And and hey, no, that was good, Taylor. Like, that's that's his draw, too. (laughs) Like, it's a little... It's a little Saturday Night Live. Right. It's a little I'm doing an impression. So I don't think it was uh, his best performance. It didn't really bother me. 
he he had one or two comedic moments because of that, but I think it was on purpose. Like I think this is. I'm going to defend him, even though I haven't seen the movie, so I have no idea if it was if it was good or bad. But we know that he's a good actor, and whether or not he's like the best actor, I don't know. Did he end up winning? He didn't win the Oscar last year for best he actor. He did, didn't he? Oh, I don't. I can't remember. I don't I thought, remember. I don't remember. I thought, I, thought the, I thought he did. I thought he did win. I thought the gentleman from Everything Happening Now. Yes, time but, but that was won. yes, he did win Kihei Kwan, but that was supporting. Okay. And Brendan Fraser would have won um the the lead. So clearly he is um a pretty good actor, let's say. He won an yeah. Oscar. Whether and or not he we was good in the mummy the movies. Yeah. Right? So like we've seen him do good things. If people are saying like this was an atrocious performance, is that not Martin Scorsese's fault for not yes. telling him to rein it in? Yes, and I don't agree that it was atrocious. It was a little out of place. Weird. Just like a but weird... It, yeah, weird thing. But it did fit the character he was trying to play. That character was just a little out of place. Right. Um, okay. I mean, I, I mean, John Lithgow, who plays the other lawyer, is also, like, fine. He's also a very good actor, but the, it was also fine. Like, I don't, I don't know how many takes they did of those scenes. They were like, let's <laughs> with them. Yeah, like, <laughs> but also, I will say, I don't think that's the point. Like, as right, I already mentioned, right. Molly is the heart of the movie. Even though you're seeing things a lot through Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio's eyes, like she's she's a lead role. Like, I don't I don't have in front of me screen time. But if she's not nominated for for best lead, then that's not understanding the movie because the movie is is built around her. She, she's not a supporting actor. She's a lead. So I just, I think that they maybe were focusing there. And it, it, the, the stuff with Brendan Fraser is not long. It's actually quite short. We don't get that. That's part of a trial sequence. We don't get that to the latter half so hour of the movie. the movie doesn't become like a courtroom drama? No, there's a little bit. There's a, there's a question as to what's going to happen at the end. Um, there, there are some mysteries to be solved and some things there that I won't spoil. But it, that's the last half hour. We have three hours of the movie that is essentially what is the life that Molly and her family leads? Who are these white men who keep marrying into the family? How will these murders happen? We know who's doing them, so it's not like a mystery. But how will they happen? And and in what order and in what sequence and when? Will Molly figure this out? What's going on with Molly? Is she at risk? Is she in danger? What's going to happen there? That's three hours. And then the final half an hour or so is now we're in the trial because about, I would say about two and a half hours into the movie, that's when the FBI shows up. So we get about a half hour or so of them like putting it all together. But as I said, they do it very fast. <laughs> like they're, they're very much like, this is not right. We're, we're going to, you know, we're going to do something about it. Um, but again, I think, I, I think maybe that was part of the point of the movie. I think that was part of, what they wanted, I think Martin Scorsese probably wanted you as an audience to feel like, can someone can someone get these guys here? Like, this is ridiculous. So you do feel like a little bit of light and a little bit of, of happiness for the first time in a long time uh, when, when Jesse Plemons and his team show up. Um, but yeah, I, I it's so short in the movie. I don't know why people are making a big deal of it. I didn't think it was egregious, but it also 
it, it was three and a half hours in the movie trailer. I was just happy we were getting close to the end. And I know <laughs> like, that's okay, so wrap it up. <laughs> well, I know that's so bad to say because we're supposed to be like reviewing the movie and like focus on the art and stuff. But but it's it's so hard to give this movie a rating when that is a big factor to it because it doesn't move that well. Like it moves all right, but it's definitely a long movie. You definitely get out of it being like, yep, that was three and a half hours. And it's not, the story's good. The acting's good. Martin Scorsese knows how to direct movies. The cinematography is good. The use of music is good. The, the, they did a great job with the scenes and the sets and the family and interwoving everything and like showing us we're very much on these kind of farms in the middle of oil fields for like a lot of the movie. And it's really well done and lived in and rustic and it works, but it's three and a half hours. I don't think I could, I would sit through this in a movie theater ever again. Mike, I'm going to say it. Sometimes these prestige movies are boring. <laughs> yeah, sometimes. No one likes to admit that. <laughs> yeah, and it's, I feel, I feel bad about saying it because I do think like, listen, I think I, I'm not going to comment on the larger conversation of like who should be telling stories and what type right. of stories, et cetera. I don't know. I don't have the answer to that. I'm not that smart. What I do know is I watched this movie. I thought the the subject matter was handled with care from the research that I did, or at least the research the film shoved in my face. Mark Scorsese was in communication with the specific indigenous group that, that this story revolves around. So Taylor, before we started, you and I were talking like, is this a true story? Is it wasn't, it, it was it, was it not? I think these were, I think some of the people were real, but I think they made up a lot around it just to like, tell a story but i think there were there were real elements to it because obviously he worked with the indigenous community like they filmed right in it's like a fictionalized take on on something happenings that, yeah think things that for sure happened but maybe all sh- shoved together to make to make a movie out of it so it's kind of like fiction but also not but like there's a and i think it seems like they did they you did everything you'd want someone to do I'm going to communicate and have a relationship with the indigenous community where I'm filming. I'm going to work on on everything with them to make sure things are authentic and feel real and nothing is is offensive and everything works. And clearly all that happened, there's a large indigenous cast that's part of this. No one's playing outside the place that we're all happy with them playing. So it's all it's all good in that respect. So I don't know. It's hard to comment on that. It seemed like everything was above board, but I can also understand if someone's upset, like I could get, like I could, I could understand that because it's also like these are touchy subjects. This is a difficult story to tell. I thought it was told all right, could have been better, but it was okay. It's just that's the thing. It's just a good movie. That's all it is, and I think it could have been a lot better. Before you give me your see it, stream it, skip it. I did a very quick Google search of the book it's based on. It is a nonfiction book. So true, true story. The Osage murders and the birth of the FBI, killers of the flower moon. And interesting little note. I don't know if you read this, Mike. Typically, we don't do a lot of research, so you might not have come across this. This puts the casting in a very interesting light. Okay. So though the role of Tom White, the lead FBI agent, was written for DiCaprio... DiCaprio pushed to have his role changed to the nephew of the film's primary antagonist, played by De Niro. As a result, Jesse Plemons was cast as Tom White to replace DiCaprio, while DiCaprio was cast as Ernest Buckhart. 
Huh. Interesting. That's really interesting. I wonder if in an earlier version of the script, then Tom White had a bigger role. Because yeah. he's, he, he shows up quite late. Um, and he does play an important role for the plot, but not necessarily a big screen time. Like, I'm wondering. Interesting that, that DiCaprio was like, I don't want to play the FBI hero. I want to play the idiot. And, and hey, like, that's, he, listen, more fun. I think, he, I think he did a good job. I don't know. I don't know what the criticism is around him. He did a good job of playing that idiot. And yeah, that would be, that role has way more to do. Like, honestly, the only thing Jesse Plemons did was show up and immediately think that Solve the everyone, murder. yeah, like immediately, <laughs> like he walked in, like, this is not right. Like this is like anyone. This is not a mystery. This. Yeah. Yeah. And like, that was interesting. Like the birth of of the fbi and that kind of part of it and where like i did find that interesting um but again i i think i think the point of the movie was these murders that okay so these murders that did happen but we're telling kind of a fictional story around it to give you a sense of of what could have happened etc and listen we know we know that especially and it's a good thing that we're finally starting to hear some of these stories the things that are done in this movie to molly and her family are absolutely heinous and I think that this movie, if at bare minimum, it opens some people's eyes and starts some conversations, then great. That is the power that film has. I just think you remember movies for things of innovation, something interesting within how you told the story, makes it memorable, it becomes a classic, and that's how you make real societal impact. I don't know if I will ever watch this movie again. And I think that's a disservice to the power that the story could have. And that's because it's so long-winded and it's so overblown that I just wish, you know, here we are talking about a two and a half hour movie. I've been ranting about it for 30 minutes and we haven't even scratched the surface of this movie and some of the problems that I had with it. And it's, I don't know, it's hard It's hard for me to give a rating for this because the quality of the filmmaking, the quality of the acting, the interesting story that is there, the quality of the story, I want to give it a see it, but I can't do it because I, I just, I will never see this movie again. And I don't think seeing it in a movie theater matters other than the economical impact. I To me, I think it's a stream it. I think you watch it at home, you can watch it in chunks, one hour chunks over a period of a weekend and just you're not going to lose Martin. anything. Well, <laughs> no, not to stick it up. You're just not going to lose anything is my point. You're not going to lose it anything. Is a, it's a joint production with Apple, so it will be coming to Apple TV or whatever their streaming yeah, is called. Yeah, and I think, I, think that's the, that, I think that's the best way to do it. And, like, don't get me wrong. I think, I think people should watch this movie. Again, if for, if for no other reason, you should want to watch stories that are about these parts of history that we have done a very good job of forgetting and not teaching and not talking about. So if we're going to do that and, and this is a way to do it, then great. It again, the indigenous cast is fantastic. The non-indigenous cast is fantastic. There's nothing wrong with this story. The acting is very strong. It's, it's a very interesting, interesting movie in a lot of ways. It's just so, so long that when you make, the entertaining portion of the movie, the last half hour, 45 minutes, it, it becomes very difficult to come out of it being like, wow, that was amazing. I'm going to recommend it to everyone. I just can't do that. I, I think for me, if anyone was asked, oh, what did you think of the movie? Watch it at home. 
It's just a good movie. Enjoy it at home. It's a stream it. That's, that's I think, the best I can do for it. Okay. There you go. <laughs> that's that's, that's, <laughs> All that's right. my impromptu review of Killers <laughs> of the Flower Moon. Uh, quick Oscar prediction. I think yeah. Lily Gladstone will definitely be nominated. Well-deserved. I wouldn't be surprised if Robert De Niro was nominated for a supporting role. Like, I think he... Has he won an, has he won an Oscar yet? Maybe that question. boxing Maybe movie, the that Raging Bull. Yes, he's won two Oscars. So he has, he does have two Oscars. So yeah, I, I, I wouldn't be surprised. I thought he was, he was quite strong. I guess a lot of people don't like DiCaprio. I thought he was very good as well. This movie is, is Oscar gold in a lot of ways. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if it was nominated for writing. I know I'm saying I have a lot of problem with how long it is, but uh, maybe, yeah. I think it's I think it's the type of movie that would be nominated for Best Picture. I don't know if I would go there. But I feel like it's already the first week of November when we're recording this. So that will be confusing. <laughs> that will be confusing people listening. But anyways, we're recording this at the start of November. Should we not be seeing more Oscar buzzy movies now? Yes, but everything's been moved because right, of the strikes. Right. This is the only <laughs> this one and Napoleon are the only two yes. like big, big Oscar yes. buzzy. Yes, you will see more late in December. Like a lot of them come out late because they don't want to be forgotten because they <laughs> they right. think people have short memories, um, which I guess sometimes happens. As if but, we're doing the yeah. voting. Yes, I know. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think I, I do think this is an Oscar kind of movie and it's not listen it's not like it's well not well deserved in a lot of ways i wouldn't be i wouldn't have a problem with with a lot of that and i do think i do think for the amount of times that we've screwed up telling certain stories the fact that this one does a relatively good job should be honored um just quickly to note taylor you were right he did win an oscar for raging bull that's why and he he won an oscar for the godfather part two so those are his two Oscar wins. He's been nominated a bunch. Yeah, he's, he's one of like he's he's one of those actors, and yes. that, that makes me that makes it sound like he doesn't deserve it. He's a good he's a good actor. He's like the yes. actor of our generation. One of them. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I think I think he's a great actor, and he did a very good job uh, in this movie. But I do yeah I do think I do think it's an interesting conversation this movie because I could kind of see it from all the different lenses like i could i could see reworking this film so it's not from the perspective of the white people and it's from the perspective of the indigenous community that would change the movie into a like a who did it like we're, right. we're with them trying to solve it which i might have preferred I, I i don't always think it works when you as an audience are ahead of of the movie like you know information that that others don't i don't know if that always works so that's interesting. Like, I'd be willing to continue to have the conversation. And I think this is the movie that can stir and discuss things, which is great. I think that's the point. Like, let's let's not forget that part of it, um, which is why I still give it a stream it. Like, it's a positive review. I just can't recommend to anyone go, go sit through this in a theater for three and a half hours, even in VIP with my nachos and my chicken bites. It still was not, you know, that, that I can't make that last three hours, three and a half hours. I'm a fast eater, Taylor. You don't done done you know. before the uh, the previews. <laughs> yeah, before yeah before before the movie even starts, it's mainly gone. Um, 
Yeah. And those so, are salty foods, Mike. You're gonna want to drink a lot of cola. I'm surprised you yeah, didn't exactly. get a bathroom break. I I survived. Um, I've always been good at that, that though. I've I've always been. I've only ever had one or two incidences where I've had to leave a movie to go to the washroom. For the most part, I'm actually pretty good at. Regardless, I can sit through three three and a half hours, and that's okay. Uh, but it was the last Lord of the Rings movie, which was the first one, mainly because it had about twelve endings. Like it kept fading to black and I'm like, oh, finally. And then it came back up and we were doing more. I'm like, I just need to get out of here. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. That's an interesting question to pose. Have you ever had to get up in the middle to go for a bathroom break? Um, I think I, I must have in my thir- nearly 32 years of movie watching, there must have been at least one or two times when in the theater, but I loathe to do it. Like I will go as long and as far as possible to not have to get up during a movie. Cause like you're also, it's so embarrassing cause like the people around you, you know what I mean? Like if you're not on the end, you have to like scoot past people. So that alone is why I think like, Oh, I don't think, I don't know. Maybe there has to be, I'm going to be conservative and say one to two times I've gotten up during a movie, but like mortifying, definitely mortifying to do that and i shame yeah. people who are like oh whatever i'm just gonna get no stay down yeah <laughs> not and this walk is, in front of me <laughs> like i can see i can kind of see why in this kind of movie you know do you really want to miss anything i guess not like it does tell it gives a lot of great detail but i could i could think of things you could cut out to make it shorter or definitely having an intermission i don't think it would ruin the movie like there's there's no way that having an intermission in this kind of movie is going to disturb things in such a way where you don't get the point that the movie's trying to make. Wikipedia. Now, with that being said, I don't 100 percent know what the point of this movie was. I don't like other than other than we got to start talking about certain things that that I I get. But I in terms of this movie is telling this particular story in this way. I I do have a lot of questions. Wikipedia is describing it as an epic Western crime drama, which to me is the type is is exact. Well, that to me is the exact genre that requires an intermission. They got Western like, right. <laughs> it's definitely a Western. Three and a half yeah. hours. <laughs> yes, yeah, but it's not a crime drama. There's no drama around the crime. We know exactly who did it. Well, I guess it's not no a comedy. It's not a comedy. It's not a drama. It's it's not. I mean, it's it's sad. And it's definitely a drama in terms of like, okay, this is the type of genre of movie it is. But it's not a crime drama to me. Because the drama of crime dramas are like, who did it? How are we going to get them? How are we going to get this done? Like, how are we going to do this? It's not that until two and a half hours into the movie. Two and a half hours of the movie is not that. It's it's, It's more like a historical drama treated in that way it would have just made sense for it to be described as an epic western yeah except western might think there's more action sequences where there there aren't too many of those there's a couple here and there and i don't think the movie needed more action like i'm not like don't get me wrong i'm not sitting here being like give me action and my nachos like i i am fine with the way the movie was and i'm fine with everything that happens and i don't need explosions and i don't need gun battles and I don't need those things even in a Western, but I just thought it was long-winded. I, I also don't need four or six of the same scene over and over again. Like we get it. 
if you're a good enough filmmaker, you can establish the relationship between Molly and the stupid Ernest character within one or two scenes, not 26. You can show them falling in love. You can see him trying to trick her or getting tricked or whatever. You can see those things in a shorter period of time. You don't need to do, you know, 27 scenes of it. It's, it, it that's where it got ridiculous. So it's a, a stream it. Yes, it's a stream it. Killers of the Flower Moon is a stream it. I think it's a good movie. We'll be talking about it again come awards time. There's tons of awards worthy things within this movie. I'm sure we'll hear about it again. I think it's worth a watch. Definitely do it for Molly. Shall I review my movie? Yes. Now, before you do, <laughs> I'm just because I looked it up when you told me um, this movie. Is is this girl who's in it, the lead, is this the same person who was in Mad Men, but is also the new Sabrina? Correct. Okay. Um, she has a Kiernan Shipka? Kernan Shipka? Yeah, she's the one who's like, she's in her early 20s now, but looks like she's 12. Yeah, she plays a 16-year-old. Although, um, so she's 23. She plays a a 16-year-old. I will say that this sounds, this is going to sound horrible. I don't want people to take this the wrong way. For the first time, she doesn't look 16. Okay. You know what I'm trying to say? Like, No, yeah. That is a 20-year-old playing a 16-year-old. Well, people for the age. first time <laughs> they, they they do grow up. Like I think that's I, know, I don't know well, who I would know. take. Why would anyone have a problem with you saying? I that? don't want people to think. Oh, Taylor's being ageist. You know, she's saying she looks old. It's just, it's just like you're like, oh, Kiernan, like you you have some lines on your face you didn't have during Mad Men and Sabrina. So <laughs> well, during Mad Men, she was a child. Yeah, she was literally <laughs> right, like a, a little mean? baby, a little toddler. And, yeah, and, and I, I would imagine during Sabina, she was like a teenager. I think she probably times. would have been like at least 18. Yeah. Because that shows a couple of years old now. Um, so, yes, I watched Breaking Mike's Rule of not watching Halloween movies after Halloween. I watched Totally Killer, <laughs> which is um, a movie that takes place on and around Halloween. Oh, so I, see, I didn't, uh, even from the name, I didn't actually put that together. I should have, but totally I, I killer. Yeah. So, um, Wikipedia is describing it as a black comedy slasher film, film, which it is. So Mike didn't agree with Wikipedia's synopsis of killers of the flower moon, but they do have it right for totally killer. So oh, this, well, good. <laughs> I went on Amazon prime to see what new releases were available. And this one came up. And I had to watch it because, because it is sort of an uh, an homage to 1980s um, slasher flicks, but it has the weirdest premise. And maybe this isn't a weird premise, but I thought it was weird. So in the 80s, three 16-year-olds are murdered. We know this isn't a spoiler. This happens like, like your movie, Mike. This happens in like the first five minutes of the movie. We find out in the 80s, Three um, teens get murdered. Flash forward to now, Halloween 2023. Um, Jamie, played by um, Kiernan, um, wants to go out to a concert. Her mom says, you know, it's, it's, it's Halloween. You need to be safe because she, the mom, was alive 
at the time of these murders. Does that make sense? So like the mom is now yeah. grown up. She yeah. has Jamie, the daughter. She is overprotective. Be careful. It's Halloween. Jamie goes to the concert. The mother is killed by the killer from the eighties. So like the, okay. the same killer kills the mom in the, the current timeline. Okay. And why I'm explaining this so slowly. It will make sense. Okay. <laughs> I, th- I think I, I think I'm on. Jamie goes (laughs) back in time. She uses her best friend is built, builds a time machine for the science fair. Her best friend has built a time machine. Based on the designs of her mother from the Uh 80s. So so Jamie goes back in time because she thinks if I can stop the killer in the 80s, she won't kill my mom. He won't kill my mom in the current timeline. Okay. Okay. So, So this movie. It's about her in the 80s, fish out of water. Um, you know, she's a teen from 2023, thrown into the 80s, trying to stop her parents' kill her mom's killer. She is like with her parents, because you know, her parents were there in the 80s. So she's she essentially befriends her parents, um, tells them she's psychic to stop these three murders. And um she plays in the 80s she's Jamie Lafleur a a um foreign exchange student from Prince Edward <laughs> Prince, Prince Edward Island Canada Prince Edward Island Canada she's a foreign exchange student from Prince Edward Island That's what Canada. she tells people okay. and then one of the characters says that sounds fake and she goes no it's a real place and the person's like <laughs> okay so anyways i hope that sets the tone for what kind of movie you're in for <laughs> It is silly. It is funny. I will say I laughed more watching this movie than I did with No Hard Feelings last week. There were more laugh out loud funny moments for me. Um, It is a time traveling movie. So like things don't really make sense. Like you kind of just have to like go with it. You know, like when you're watching a time traveling movie and you're like, how how is this working with the timeline? You just yeah. kind of have to like let rules? it. Yeah. Yeah. You just kind of have to let it wash over you. And they even make the joke in the movie. Like she's explains to one character, like, have you seen, um, have you seen back to the future? And they're like, no, but I hear it's good. <laughs> and then, um, she's like, well, I'm living back to the future right now. And then she goes, and then she's like leaving the character and she goes, go, go watch it. And he's like, no time traveling movies never make sense. <laughs> so they it, they know what they're doing. Like it's very tongue yeah, it's tongue in cheek. Yeah, it's very um, it's it is a slasher flick. Like there are murders in this movie. There are there is a quote unquote like body count, but I wouldn't say it's it's not scary. Um, and I don't think the murders are that violent. If I'm remembering correctly, I know my like gore threshold is a little bit different. <laughs> than some people well, yeah you you're a little bit more i watch a lot of horror that. movies yeah. and true crime yeah. but i would say that it's like a relatively tame slasher flick i would say it's more funny like it's more it leans more into the comedy than the, the slasher aspects and there is that sci-fi time travel um yeah this movie was kind of surprising to me i turned it on with like absolutely no expectations um Thinking that I would probably, I, I was leaning towards probably liking it because it's set in the 80s and kind of has that vibe. Um, but I would say that overall I was pleasantly surprised. And 
yeah. Dan asked me, what did you think? And I said, well, it wasn't the worst movie I saw this year, which is it's true. It wasn't, it wasn't the worst. It probably wasn't the best. But um, I definitely had a, a fun time watching it. Um, you know, like it, it can it could be a little bit cheesy. I found that. So uh, this movie, unlike your movie, Mike, is a whodunit. You don't know who mm. the murderer is. And it's kind of a okay. race against time to find out who the murderer is. And then at one point, there's a little bit of a twist. And I felt like the second twist was a little bit kind of like a lunch bag let down a little bit. Um, but again, this movie, I had such low expectations. I wasn't like, I wasn't like, oh, that's such a bummer. If anything, like the movie was going so well for me. That's why it was a lunch bag let down. If right, the movie right. was like super corny, I would have been like, oh, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, but because yeah. the movie was going so well. Um, and then what movie? Oh, last week where I was like, they did a weird job ending it. I thought they ended this movie quite well, considering how it's a time travel movie and you know, like what happens when you come back to the current timeline. I thought that was, um, quite good. So yeah, this for me, like my review is pretty short cause it was, it was just a breezy movie. I think I said this a couple of weeks ago. 2023 is the year of breezy movies for me and I have no shame and no apologies. I'm really enjoying watching these kind of under two hour silly comedies. I'm really enjoying myself. <laughs> myself. Mike, maybe you would feel better too if you take a breezy year. Maybe 2024 should be your <laughs> breezy year. Yeah, I, I think Killer of the Flower Moves may have broken me. <laughs> like I'm, I'm completely, like I'm completely just... No, like I, I'm so tongue tied because I think I wanted to like the movie so much, yeah. and I wanted it to be something different than it was. And when I came out of it, I was just like, I'm tired. Like it wasn't. It was just an emotional and physical exhaustion, and I don't think that gets a message across in a strong way. What you're describing sounds just kind of like a fun, breezy time. Yeah, it was a weird a little weird movie that i'm like oh time travel sci-fi murder comedy okay <laughs> and you know the performances were quite good like some of the performances are a little cheesier than others but it it makes sense for the genre like you're not looking for oscar you know what i mean like you're not looking for like serious drama you're just looking no for you're in for comedic. something different yeah um and kiernan shipka i think is a good actress like she definitely like delivers um i don't think she's necessarily the best young actress of our generation but i think she she doesn't phone it in she gives things you know like she she does the work and per gives good performances so i didn't yeah. have any problem yeah. With that, um, I thought the the cast had chemistry, and like I said, like it was quite funny. Like I laughed out loud more times watching this than No Hard Feelings, which I reviewed last week. Um, it is a uh, it's produced by Jason Bloom, who does the Bloom House um, mm -hmm. horror movies. Uh, if I'm correct, like it is a horror movie production house, so like it has some kind of I don't want to say cred, but like it has like power behind it. Um, so yeah, I can't. Yeah, that's that's 
That's all I have to say. Breezy movie. Well, it year. sounds delightful. It, just, it reminds me like when I watched You're So Not Invited to My Bat Mitzvah a couple months ago. Where again, like zero expectations. Adam Sandler produced movie. Why not? You know, yeah. I'm really enjoying myself. Mike, I really recommend 2024 be your year of breezy <laughs> movies. And then I will do the heavy lifting. I'll review the Killers of the Flower Moon. I'll review the Napoleons. Maybe I'll even review Willy Wonka. No, I'm lying. I'm not going to review Willy Wonka. <laughs> yeah, like this is this is what the rest of my year looks like. The Marvels, which I'm going to see next week, which I'm terrified to see because the MCU is just on a downward trend. Wonka, <laughs> obviously. Napoleon, which I mean, Napoleon looks good, but I'm just being prepared to be disappointed. Like those are the movies I'm reviewing because Dune moved. So I don't even know. <laughs> like, I don't know what's coming up next. And I'm not looking forward to it. Like I'm completely broken by by these by these movies. I'm just I should go see the Taylor Swift concert. That's that's what I should. As a cl- as a palate cleanser, why not? Yeah, just to a like, concert yeah. movie. Oh, that Hunger Games movie. I keep forgetting about that. There's that Hunger Games movie. Ballad of Snakes and Songbird. Also, or Songbird and Snakes. Yeah, yeah. Like I'm I'm gonna be seeing all these things. And yeah, I think I think next year I yeah maybe we need to do a little switch. <laughs> and I can see some of these. Maybe we'll start the light. year with movies out of the hat or something. Yeah, I think that's a good idea. I I have I have all the little yeah. sheets of paper somewhere. They're crumpled up somewhere. Or maybe we start fresh. We specifically with new ask, submissions. We specifically ask people to submit their breezy movies. Breezy so movies. That, you know, so but that, you know our fans. We're not going to get. It's going to be a hat full of non-breezy movies or breezy movies that are just bad. Yeah, just terrible, terrible films. Yeah, it's it's a it's a weird it's a weird time for movies too. Like I think it's so interesting to me because we kind of just have gone through like we're still in a strike, but the writer strikes over and they sign a new agreement. And ex- like except for really this week, mainly my concern with movies has been around writing, where I'm yeah. just like this isn't good. Like your writing is bad, so maybe hey, with maybe with the new deals and the you know, everyone having a little bit more money in their pocket, we'll get something better. I would say maybe I we'll liked, start seeing better movies. I, I liked the writing on Totally Killer. Like I thought the one liner one liners were quite good. Like the with her being like, "I'm Jamie Lafleur from Prince Edward Island, Canada," and yes. then the character being like, <laughs> "That's pretty, that's funny. fake." <laughs> like I, I thought it was yeah, quite, yeah. I thought it was quite yeah. good. Um. I don't know if I mentioned it's a it's a stream it for me like because it's breezy and also it it didn't have a theatrical run but um it's not like you need to run out to watch this but I think it would be a fun evening movie with like your loved one like you could probably watch this there are swears they do do the f word Mike so I don't Oh no! So oh, I there's don't... a lot of language in my movie too. There's really? a lot of language. Oh, there's language. Huh? Okay. There's a lot. I guess there's it's the West. Language. Yeah, and you remember the time, right? Like, there's also, you know, this movie says things that we would never say now. True. Um, and I think that's part of the time. Like, it's trying to be historically accurate. But yeah, there's language in mine too. Tons of language. So I think you could watch. Oh, there's also some like funny like teen sex jokes 
So I don't know. I think I could have watched this with my mom in high school, but like not everyone's mom is like as chill. You know what I mean? So I think you could definitely watch this with friends, but I will, because originally I was going to say, oh, you could watch this with your parents, but it's like, mm. <laughs> depends I, who your parents are. Yeah, that's the thing like that. That's one of the reasons why I won't watch Sabrina is I just can't, I, I just can't see her other than as a child. Yeah. Like I just can't. I can't do it like that. Well, you just said they're kind of make me go like, oh, maybe I won't watch this because I just like I haven't watched Sabrina because I'm just like, I don't you and Matt kind of turned me away from <laughs> it because sexy. I'm like, yes, with this child. But I guess she's not a child. She's an I adult will, now. I will say in this movie, I you don't see any sex acts it's alluded to hmm. it's like it's the classic trope that like 80s teens have like a lot of sex which like right. i don't think you see as much now in movies but that like that trope in 80s movies where they're all either having sex or trying to have sex so that's part yeah. of this movie and a lot of the there's uh humor comes from that but i don't think you ever see there's never like actual like an actual sex act on the screen, and Kiernan isn't part of that. If that makes mm -hmm. if that makes you feel better, Mike, yes, like, you're not going to yes, be watching does. young people. Yeah, well, getting intimate. That's in the movie. that's the fear, you know. <laughs> like these movies, <laughs> everyone's getting younger. We're all yeah, everyone's getting younger, and we're just getting older. We're the we're the um, Matthew McConaughey and Dazed and Confused. Oh, it, doesn't he say, but I stay the same age or yeah, something? Yeah, they, they keep... He's weird, yeah. Or, they, I have I not keep, seen that movie in a long time. He says, time. I keep getting older, they stay the same age. He's creepy. That's it, yeah that's, creepy. The, that's the, yeah, that's the that's the funny <laughs> line, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, they, they, everyone's getting younger, I'm getting older. Yeah. Um, And I'm tired. <laughs> like, I just... <laughs> I just, I just want to be lightly entertained. And then, yeah, I'm fine. Some message movies are great. I believe that movie and theater and art has the power to change the world. And I think that more of Killer of the Flower Moons is great, but I just really think it could be shorter. And you could do a lot to remember that this is also a way to entertain. It's a way to educate and entertain at the same time. And I don't think that's always being thought of from the artist. And I think you should think about your audience a little bit more. That's what I, I think. hear you. It's just you. my opinion. Um, there you go. We did it. <laughs> we're, we're through this week. Yeah, I've got them. Everyone gets, I just uh, teased next week, get so excited. I'm reviewing the Marvels. <laughs> I have no opinion. I This will be one of those episodes where it's like Taylor asks dumb questions about comic yeah. books. Taylor and this episode. <laughs> go Go see some movies. Or go stream some movies, because there's not much playing by the sounds of it. Or take a nap. That's true. Eat some leftover Halloween candy. Take a nap. Um, yeah, take a walk. Feel some grass. That could that could be a good reset for you. But um, all in all, I, I think you guys should have a great week. And we'll, uh, we'll talk to you next week. Go see some movies.